It's time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe Podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Monday, April 19th, 2021. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, as I promised you last week, I knew that the episode would come out a little later uh, than as usual. As usual, the early morning episodes that are released at around 5 a.m. We're recording today on Monday. Didn't get a chance to do it on Sunday. Uh, busy running around doing a few things. So, here we are, but nonetheless, the Get Home Safe podcast, the Monday morning edition, if you will. And on that note, I do want to tell you kind of a heads up about Bill Barnes and the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. That episode, because of Bill's work schedule, will probably be out uh, Wednesday around noon or so. Uh, I think we're going to actually be recording Wednesday morning because he's out of town doing something. I have uh, you know work issues as well, so... We're doing what we can, but we do want to have that episode out on Wednesday for the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. As uh, you guys who have you guys who have been loyal listeners know that sometimes it uh, it it moves around a little bit. But hey, we got to have our our uh, our fill of of Bill Barnes. So I I did hear from a, a few listeners where there's a few questions that were sent in. Brian Earls, Maynard Bohorquez, uh, those questions will be answered by Bill Barnes on Wednesday and myself. So stay tuned for that. Uh, good show today. Just a few, a uh, few topics. We got some sports topics, uh, a few other things I saw in the news that, uh, I, <laughs> I wanted to comment on, uh, whether they are relevant or not. I think they are, uh, but we're going to kind of bounce around today like we do on most Mondays. Uh, I, I, I was talking with a friend, Fred Monteblanco. He was asking me about the podcast and I said, yeah, it's just me. It's just me uh, tomorrow on Monday. And I was like, you know what? That's not a bad way to look at it. Just me Mondays. Right. Um, so as we develop here with our video, as you are, for those of you watching on YouTube, um, man, it, it is, it is interesting. Just something that small, how much it changes things. You got to be ready to go. You got to be ready to have all your information and uh, everything gathered. So, uh, but anyway, it's a fun challenge for me. I enjoy this and, uh, we're going to put out some more great episodes for you this week. Bill and I will again chat on Wednesday. That'll come out probably at noon. And then on Friday, we're going to be joined by Douglas Kirk. Douglas Kirk is a musician in the Bakersfield area. Used to play in a band with my girlfriend, Valerie. A very passionate musician and a guy who has a ton of experience. And so he and I have like a music-filled conversation you guys will hear on Friday. Long-form interview as always. And kind of like I've been doing, we're just going to go right into that. All the intro stuff, all the things that I kind of build up throughout the week with notes and things I'm going to kind of save up just for this time uh, just for Mondays I should say so anyway it's Monday morning I got my coffee I'm trying to uh, you know still get get together another big week here not only is it a podcast week as always but you know work and I think I'm going in an extra day this week so there's there's a ton of uh, things to get to we're going to talk about the uh, the boxing event, if you want to call it that, from the weekend. Logan Paul versus Ben Askren uh, on Triller. 
Fight Club, a very unique broadcast. Uh, we'll touch on that. We're going to talk about the FCS football playoff bracket, which is no, you know, football, Division One AA. For those of you who aren't familiar with FCS versus FBS, anyway, they're still playing here in the spring, um, and they are going to have, in fact, a 16-team playoff. What a concept! Uh, right. So we're going to cover that, talk about that, break down a bracket, give some of our thoughts. Um, I'm going to talk about a little real Hondo prep baseball, some of their, uh, their victories from last week, including one, uh, one big win on Tuesday with a great pitching performance from, uh, one of the real Hondo prep seniors. Um, a few other notes here just to touch on the NFL draft is upcoming. Um, Alex Smith retired as of Monday, the Bengals came out with new uniforms, nothing really to write home about there. Um, college baseball, man, some of these stadiums, full stadiums down in Mississippi, Mississippi state. Uh, that was a big matchup this weekend. Uh, big, big crowds there really love, love seeing it. And, uh, you know what, man, all these options, we got all these options. And it's funny if you don't stay relevant, even if in this COVID age we're in, right. If you don't stay relevant, then someone else is going to go right past you. Right. So uh, there's just too many options. I mean, the NBA, I, I, I tell you guys this, how much I don't watch it, right? And I know there's other people who probably feel the same way. Um, I, I'm not losing any sleep. I don't miss basketball by any means. I got a great fill in March Madness. And there's other options. There's other things I'm excited about. Uh, I haven't watched much FCS football, but I'm going to tune in for the playoffs. Even though these teams have only played like six, seven game seasons, I think it's awesome that they're going to play a playoff. I mean, heck, remember Ohio State last year? Would they play seven games and they get they get in the national championship game? So uh, anyway, lots to cover, lots to talk about. Baseball again, college baseball. It is 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 uh, is rolling right along. Um, the Dodgers, I believe, opened last weekend at home. Or maybe it was two weeks ago. Whatever it was, but anyway, um, it, I thought it was great seeing Eric Garcetti, the mayor booed by the 25% capacity fans that were allowed in the, in the stadium. And uh, I don't know who planned it, but you know, they, they were hosting, hoisting the banner, the championship banner for the Dodgers. And they made sure to have a few people there with Garcetti so that the booze would not last too long. It was hey mayor Garcetti. Uh, and and uh, then it was some Dodger legend. I forget who it was. So it was boo. And then, okay, now we have to cheer. I thought it, that was strategically done by the LA Dodgers. Anyway, Eric Garcetti, who has limited and uh, changed and ruined the lives of so many people in the Los Angeles area. I was glad to see him booed by some, uh, by some fans there in Los Angeles. Uh, anyway, let's see, where do we start? We're also going to do studs with studs today. And we, you know what? We might, in fact, go right to that and start with that just because uh, I haven't really done it a whole lot in the past few weeks. We did it last week. And again, I, I do this. It was an idea I had, and I tried to do it regularly. Uh, it, it's, it's just a way to look back and honor people. I love talking about heroes and military and police, and um, especially in today's age where a lot of that is under attack, right? Our, our freedoms and our, um, just our everyday walk of life seems to be threatened by chaos and uh, propaganda, manipulation, whatever you want to call it. So I, I love honoring our military and our police. And uh, there is a guy I want to talk to you guys about today. Uh, I actually saw this in a Civil War documentary. It was really good. It was like called Blood and Fury. It was a six-part series. I think I told you guys about it a few weeks ago. 
and it was reenactment stuff alongside of historic historians talking and giving their take on what happened in battles and stuff. Really well done. One of my favorite formats when that is done to kind of see reenactment alongside of like somebody narrating. So anyway, um, a civil war hero that we're going to talk about today. Let's get right into it. Our suds with studs segment. And we call this suds with studs, of course, because these are people that we would love to sit down and have a beer with, not just by the first round, but every single round. So today we're going to be talking about Charlie Gould from the civil war and uh, his, his, um, uh, actions at the battle of Petersburg towards the end of the civil war and a really remarkable story here. I actually found a pretty good article that I want to read to you guys. It's, it's a little lengthy, but again, I, I, I want to provide information that you guys can hear and be like, man, I can't believe there's people like that, uh, who, you know, <laughs> did so much for us, for our freedoms and everything. So I do want to read this to you right now. Bear with me. Um, for those of you in your cars or wherever you're listening, Hopefully you enjoy this. And for those on camera, you're just going to be watching me read something. So uh, anyway, here we go. This is from uh, an article by Edward S. Alexander written six years ago. It's called The Breakthrough at Petersburg, First Man Over the Works. And it's kind of a little background on Charlie Gould and then uh, talking about his actions specifically in the battle. So here we go. Charlie Gould seemed destined for adventure in his life. The young lad scarcely made it safe through his toddler years before his heroic deeds in front of Petersburg at the end of the war caused many to declare him the first Union soldier to reach the Confederate fortifications. While just two years old, he and his family visited his grandparents' house in Wyndham, Vermont. While the adults talked, young Charlie became infatuated with the tantalizing smell wafting from the boiling pot of applesauce. He crawled over to the cauldron and steadied himself to bend over for an up-close smell. While carefully balancing upon above the pot, Charlie lost his balance and tumbled in, terribly scalding his legs. He was unable to walk until after his sixth birthday. But his enthusiasm for dangerous deeds remained. Local residents recalled the boy's daredevil ways continued while he grew up. When the war began, Charlie's parents wishing their child would remain home. Gould was set to become a soldier and walked 20 miles to Bellows Falls to sign up. In August 1862, there, Charles, Go Go Charles Gilbert Gould may have fibbed his age to gain entrance into the army. Some records, including his headstone, show Charlie's birth occurring on May 5th, 1845. Others show May 5th, 1844, which would place him right at the age of 18 for enlistment. Charlie joined the 1st Vermont Heavy Artillery as a private before swiftly rising up the ranks. Upon his promotion to captain in late 1864, Gould was assigned to command of Company H, 5th Vermont Infantry. On April 2nd, 1865, that unit would serve as the spearhead for the entire Sixth Corps attack against the Confederate line along the, the Booton Plank Road. That morning, the regiment used a branch of Arthur's Swamp to guide their way toward the Confederate earthworks in the darkness. As the, as the Vermonters drew close to the wall, some of the men behind Gould began to drift to the right. Someone in the rear shouted, 
Bear to the left to realign the wayward advance. The captain misinterpreted that suggestion as his direct order and led his company to the left across Arthur Swamp, where they found themselves separate from the brigade and now out in front of Colonel Joseph Warren Kiefer's brigade, who might confuse them for the enemy. Despite only having a handful of officers and just 50 men, Gould pressed forward to capture a makeshift battery that had been rolled into position to cover an opening in the Confederate earthworks. With fully healed legs from his applesauce tumbler as a toddler, the youthful lad outran his company. He found a soft spot in the last line of Abattis while his company's pace was slowed as they filled through a narrow gap in the obstructions. Unaware that his men were no longer at his heels, Gould jumped into the ditch at the base of the enemy works and quickly scrambled up the parapet. Quote, I have heard nothing more daring, recalled a Vermonter just beyond the action. The regiment was charging a fort, and as they were delayed a moment getting through the, the abatis, these officers rushed ahead without looking back to see whether the men were following. Captain Gould rushed into the fort all alone with nothing but his sword. The rebels came at him with swords, bayonets, and club muskets. One bayonet was thrust into his mouth and through his cheek. And while in that position, he killed the man with his sword. An officer struck him on the head with a sword, and he was struck in the shoulder by a bayonet and pounded all over with club muskets. But he gave as good as he got until a corporal rushed in and pulled him out. Corporal Henry Recor received credit for hauling the officer's body into the ditch while Sergeant Jackson's Sar sergeant had rushed forward to plant the state colors on the works. Spurred by the shouts of their commander and the sight of their flag on the wall, more Green Mountain men hurried forward to the top of the parapet. A brief Desperate struggle was all it took to establish a foothold on the works of the North Carolina defenders. They threw down their muskets and surrendered or turned and ran as the bluecoats piled over in mass. Miraculously, the captain regained his consciousness and stumbled the full mile back to the Union works where he asked for reinforcement to support his storming party. After receiving a guarantee that help was on the way for his men, Charlie then asked, for some medical assistance for himself. Though intense in, in appearance, Charlie's wounds turned out to be rather slight. He wrote a letter to his parents two days after the battle describing his wounds as, quote, a bayonet wound through the left part of my face which entered near my mouth and came out under the jaw. Another bayonet wound in my back between my shoulders and saber cut on the right side of my skull. Then perhaps to... <laughs> To, uh, to assage his parents' concerns, he wrote, quote, The wound in my back is nothing at all, as it hit the backbone and stopped. The cut on my head is very slight, and in fact, all of my wounds are. <laughs> Gould summarizing the letter home with a surprising apology, quote, I am sorry that I was wounded before I got to Richmond. Meanwhile, Captain Gould declared to the anonymous Vermonter in the hospital who had described his ordeal that quote, if he had only had his revolver, he could have held the fort alone. <laughs> Years after the war, 
a Vermont historian enlisted Charlie's support in chronicalizing his action that morning. The veteran recalled. Here's Charlie's account of his actions that day. My appearance up on the parapet was met with a leveled musket, which unfortunately missed fire, which fortunately missed fire. I immediately jumped into the work and my part in the engagement was soon over. I was scarcely inside before a bayonet was thrust through my face and a sword thrust returned for it fully repaid the wound given me as I was substantially informed that it killed my assailant. At almost the same breath, an officer or someone armed with a sword gave me a severe cut to the head. The remainder of my brief stay in the works was confused scramble from which had my assailants been fewer in number, I would should have scarcely have escaped as it was firing on their part would have been dangerous uh, for their own men. Consequently, their efforts were apparently restricted to the use of bayonets, club muskets and club muskets. During the struggle, I was seized and my overcoat partially pulled off. And probably at this time, another bayonet would have given me in the back as the bayonet passed through my inner coat between the shoulders uh, while my overcoat remained intact. This was the most severe wound of the three, the bayonet entering the spine and penetrating it nearly to the spinal cord. I have no doubt. I have no, excuse me, distinct recollection of what followed until I found myself at the parapet trying to climb out of the work, but unable to do so. At this time, Private Henry H. Recor appeared upon the parapet. The brave fellow recognized the situation and notwithstanding the danger incurred in doing so, pulled me upon the parapet, receiving a gunshot wound himself while saving me. Uh, I, I was just blown away by this when I saw this. Um, this entire account, not only from the man himself who survived this, but to hear other accounts of what these Vermont soldiers saw. And it was on July 30th, 1890, about, what is that, 25 years later, where Charlie Gould finally received a Medal of Honor, which declared him, quote, among the first to mount the enemy's works in the assault, he received a serious bayonet wound in the face, was struck several times with club muskets, but bravely stood his ground and with his sword killed the man who bayoneted him. Well, I know a long article there. There was actually more. I was truly inspired by, by Mr. Gould's actions. I mean, this is something you really got to think about. One thing about, I mean, all combat is awful and just terrible. I think we see things on TV and we think we understand but in the civil war it wasn't it wasn't just musket fire there was some really nasty hand to hand combat and in this instance the the confederate army was very much fortified and for gould to lead this attack and then not really look behind him to see if his men were with him to basically go in this in these trenches himself uh and, and basically take on the whole confederate front line himself uh, well, it's just truly remarkable. Just no, no pause, no, no hesitation, just going right into the, uh, the, the trenches there. So unbelievable story. I can't believe you survived. And, and what I found remarkable is his, like, it, it, how, how just he like brushed it all off. Yeah. I had three major wounds, but you know, they weren't a big deal. I mean, it's just unbelievable. So, uh, to, uh, Charlie, Charles Gould, uh, God bless you, sir. He lived a long life. And uh, did not die that day. I don't know how, uh, but he inspired others to follow him. And uh, towards the end of the Civil War, there, right? So many guys just, let's, let's get this thing over with. Let's win this thing. And uh, unbelievable story. I can't imagine being bayoneted in the face, uh, in the in the back and cut and beaten and all this stuff and then surviving. And so 
really amazing stuff from uh, Charlie Gould there. And just another example of someone we want to continue to honor on our Monday segment, Suds with Studs. So if you have any suggestions of people, um, any heroes that would fit kind of this criteria, Medal of Honor winners, police officers who've done some really remarkable things, some, some war, war, uh, war heroes. Hey, send them my way. I love talking about these people. So uh, that's that for now. And um, we will move on. We'll continue to push forward here. One thing about doing video without editing, I can't always, you know, have segments, just clips like, okay, now cut here. And then we'll just continue with you, you guys see some of these transitions, which aren't as smooth, but uh, I will eventually uh, get better at that. I always talk to you guys about podcasts, a few that I saw that uh, or heard this week that were really, really good. Uh, I heard uh, an Adam Carolla podcast on Friday. He has a show that he does every day, you know, uh, Mondays, uh, Monday through Friday. And there were about two hours. He has some great guests on. He, he gets a little silly with some of his humor stuff. I don't always find funny, but overall, I like, I like uh, listening to him. But Friday, he did something a little different. He basically had two uh, very long interviews with Candace Owens and Tucker Carlson in the same podcast back to back. So uh, check that out if you're interested. Uh, again, even if you don't aren't big fans of those people, uh, I, I think you can learn something from them and uh, take something from it and just kind of the outlook and maybe the maybe get the a sense of who these people are rather than the portrayal in the media of, of them. Right. So I really enjoyed that. I've talked to you guys about the Will Kane podcast. Talk to you guys about outkick the coverage. If you don't have time to listen to the entire three hour podcast or whatever it is, uh, there's there's condensed versions. There's the best of Outkick the Coverage, which is great. It's only like an hour. Uh, Outkick the Show is a, like a 20, 30-minute podcast. That is great. Uh, but the best one I heard all week was definitely Adam Carolla uh, talking to uh, Candace Owens and Tucker Carlson from last Friday. I've told you guys this before. Uh, Prager U videos are uh, they're also in podcast form. They're five minutes. They're five-minute videos that come out um, either on YouTube or in podcast form. They, they are so in, informative and really kind of uh, hopefully shape some shape, shape some viewpoints and, and give you kind of a, uh, a very informed, informed <laughs> information, uh, basically regarding uh, a whole wide range of topics. Um, there's a ton of PragerU videos out there and some people, you know, give it, oh, it, it's, uh, you know. The typical, oh, this is a racist ideal ideology. This is this is that. This, all the all the terms you always hear, right? About, uh, we'll say conservative thought. Um, it's just a bunch of name calling that you always hear. But anyway, uh, some very good information on PragerU videos, which I will continue to promote uh, because they're short, they're they're to the point, and I think they really do help shape. Uh, shape people's viewpoints and make you think a little bit, which I am always a fan of. I'm always a fan of thinking a little bit. Uh, okay. Here, where do we go from here? Let's, let's get into some sports. Uh, first of all, uh, this was in the news last week. Oh boy. I need more of this, uh, more of this coffee here, but um, you know, Aaron Donald of the LA Rams. Uh, apparently there was an accuser who was saying that he punched him in the face. And this accuser looked really uh, roughed up from a fight out in the Pittsburgh area. And everyone was saying, man, how could Aaron Donald do this to someone? How could, how could he beat up uh, some? First of all, Aaron Donald beats up a lot of people, offensive linemen and quarterbacks uh, on Sundays, typically in the fall. Uh, but I can't imagine someone taking a punch from him. That's a scary thought. 
Uh, he's the scariest man in the NFL, I think. But anyway, um, you know, there was all this so all this news coverage about Aaron Donald beating up this guy. They showed the, the guy's face. And then it came out in a video that he didn't beat up this guy. As a matter of fact, he was kind of he kind of helped save this guy a little bit. It looked on the video like he ran out there as a group of guys were beating up this uh, this person. And he kind of jumped in and was like separating people. And then it looked like one of Aaron Donald's friends grabbed him and said, hey, we got to get out of here. Like, this isn't a good situation. That's that's what I took from the video. And then later the accuser uh, apologized, apparently. and was like, uh, sorry, I had the wrong, th- I, you know. If you're getting beat up by a bunch of people and then you hear Aaron Donald's there, I mean, okay, maybe you put two and two together. But I do think it's a good lesson in the sense of, uh, you know, rushing, rushing to judgment. I think we do that a lot in this country. Uh, we really have, you know, you're innocent until proven guilty and, and except for some cases. And, you know, this goes for anything. In that situation, it was a, an athlete involved in an assault charge, basically, which didn't go anywhere. Um, but it is funny how people do rush to judgment in certain things. There's a lot of things going on right now in politics with uh, leaders being accused of uh, sexual misconduct. Uh, different allegations and things. And again, they're allegations. There has to be proof. There's got to be evidence. There's got to be facts. We, we, you know, we, we facts still matter, right? Um, It's, it it can't all just be accusations. So from Deshaun Watson to Andrew Cuomo, uh, Matt Gates is, is uh, in some, you know, he's in some hot water too. I mean, there's all kinds of things that happen on a daily basis, but I think it's up to us as not just people, we're not lawyers. We're not, a, we're not a jury, but I think in this Twitter mob age we're in where, Oh, look at this, this, this happened. This is new. You know, it's news. Allegations are news. It's like, well, let's, let's slow down. Let's, let's see what happens. Let's uh, let's, let's see if we can put together a, uh, uh, detailed report or something, which I know doesn't happen often anymore. The news media, uh, for all intents and purposes is, is corrupt and they don't report the news. they, uh, they sell you propaganda on a daily basis. They push a narrative. They push an agenda. That's just what they do. There's there's no way around it. I mean, I would say 90% of uh, the news media, in my opinion, is uh, BS. It's false. It's, untr- it's not trustworthy. So it's almost like we have to do investigating ourselves because investigative journalism like no longer exists. There's a few uh, exceptions, of course, but Anyway, Aaron Donald, uh, as of now, uh, looked like from the video, like uh, he, he jumped in there and, and saved a guy. Uh, anyway, another, another funny tweet I saw that I thought was pretty funny was from uh, Tom Brady. He said, basically, you know, the new NFL year is starting and this will be his 21st season. And, and he, he tweeted something along the lines of, uh, let's see, I'll pull it up for you now if I can, but, uh, his 21st NFL, uh, year starting up i mean truly remarkable and uh, tom brady's become a little bit more active on social media and has some uh, funny comments but uh here's here was his tweet a couple days ago he says big day my nfl career can now legally buy a beer uh, <laughs> 20 21 uh 21 years ago today and it shows the picture of tom brady uh in in that in the his draft uh pre-draft photos with his shirt off right he looks like a average high school kid really <laughs> excuse me and uh very funny there tom brady a great sense of humor and a guy that continues 
to just, just man, uh, do, do great stuff. I can't believe it. Uh, if you guys haven't seen this video clip, look it up. Uh, just type in Villanova, Villanova, uh, quarterback, wild touchdown pass. Um, he rolls out. He let, he's like being thrown to the ground. He kind of throws the ball over his head. So I, I can't even explain it. You guys got to check it out. Uh, Patrick Mahomes even commented on it and was like, wow, that's unbelievable. So that was pretty, pretty wild play. We don't have highlights yet here on our YouTube channel, but maybe we'll get there eventually. I don't know, but uh, that's as far as college football goes. Pretty awesome play. Now I want to talk about uh, the college football bracket that uh, is out. And, and it makes me think, man, it would be so awesome if division one double a had this you, I it's I always going to call it one double a or one a you know FCS FBS is like uh okay the only the only good part of the only accurate part of the whole FBS logo is the BS part the fact that they do not play a playoff uh a playoff format four teams okay fine four of the biggest brands in college football let's just piece them together every year I don't like it I want a 16 team playoff you don't need 32 but I think 16 is is uh definitely i mean come on that's that's doable that is uh respectable i mean over 100 division 1a double what is it 1a division 1a football programs and uh only four teams make a playoff that doesn't seem right to me yet division 1 double a fcs and division 2 and division 3 they're able to put together a playoff system every year to put together a 16 team playoff uh, format i believe uh so uh, i don't know what's what's so difficult about that um you know, college football shouldn't be that hard. Anyway, here is the bracket for the FCS, the football championship subdivision, also known as one double a to, uh, that will start on Saturday, April 24th. I know that sounds weird. And then there will be some playoff games uh, going into May as well. A little may madness. Can we call it that? I don't know. Uh, but anyway, the number one overall seed South Dakota state, on on uh, one side of bracket of the bracket, they just list the top four teams. Uh, there's 16 teams that make it, but the 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 top four seeds: South Dakota State, number one, and, and the uh, number four team on their side of the bracket, Jacksonville State. Uh, they are down uh, on on the same side of the bracket. They could potentially meet in the semifinals. And on the other side of the bracket, uh, James Madison is number three, and Sam Houston is number two so those are your top four seeds in the bracket uh, but let's go to the bracket uh, all together here on and again these games are going to be played on saturday the 24th upcoming here on the weekend um, on the espn family of networks so if you have the espn app uh, you should be able to follow these games watch on espn plus and all the different just uh, espn three and all that stuff anyway here we go uh, number one seed, South Dakota State, will be playing Holy Cross. Um, the matchup of the winner of that would play Southern Illinois or Weber State. So Weber State out there from Utah, one of the West Coast teams. I love it. I'll be cheering for you guys because uh, I think you're the closest thing uh, the West Coast has to a team here in the bracket. If I look at it one more time, yep, that looks like Weber State is the only uh, West Coast representative from Utah, but still, we'll we'll, uh, we'll adopt the program for uh, here in the next few weeks. Okay, on the same side of the bracket, but the bottom half, you got Delaware going up against Sacred Heart, and the winner of that will face the winner of Davidson and the number four seed, Jacksonville State. So, some pretty good matchups there. 
I don't know how many of you guys know all about these teams or anything. I don't know a ton. You, I've heard of a few, haven't heard of some of the other ones. Some of them play Division One foot or baseball. Some of them, I'm like, oh, what? You know, who is this? Where are they from? Uh, but anyway, let's see here. James Madison, the number three seed. They play VMI. VMI. I got to look that up. Who that is? And then the winner of that would play um, Missouri State or uh, North Dakota State. Who North Dakota State? Keep in mind, is a very big uh, national national power in in uh, college football. Whether even though it's in Division uh, FCS one one double A, uh, they they're a very good program and a team that uh, has won a ton of national titles. Oh, excuse me, I misspoke. They're not playing Missouri State's not playing North Dakota State. They're playing North Dakota. So my apologies. North Dakota State is on the other side of the bracket. And I mentioned James Madison against uh, VMI. That is the Virginia Military Institute from Lexington, Virginia. So in case you were wondering what those initials stood for. Okay, the bottom uh, half of the bracket, the final quarter of the overall bracket, it'll be North Dakota State against Eastern Washington. Hey, there's another West Coast team in there. The uh, fighting Colin Cowherds, uh, he went there, I believe. And so, okay, we do have two West Coast teams in the bracket and on both sides of the bracket, maybe they'll play in the title game. I don't know. All right. And then Monmouth Monmouth against Sam Houston. That rounds out your uh, college football uh, sweet 16 bracket. If you can call it that, (coughs) excuse me. Okay. So um, let me see here. And it's funny looking at the records because a lot of these schools have only played like five or six games. Um, A few teams. It looks like Jacksonville state played. That can't be right. Oh, these are different years. Okay, 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 okay. My bad. See, you, you think you have all the information and, and you just don't. But <laughs> most of the games are only uh, with, with a few a few records here. Sorry. Okay. Weber State 5-0. and Monmouth 3-0. and uh, D- Delaware 5-0. and South Dakota State 5-1. and So you get the idea. Not too many games played. Although it does look like Jacksonville State was able to play eleven games, that's they're nine and two. That's interesting, um, but a lot of teams that uh, made appearances back in twenty nineteen. Uh, remember that was the last football season. It's hard to believe for some of these teams. We did see uh, fall football for Division One A and for the NFL and stuff in twenty twenty, but for these schools, the fall of twenty nineteen was their last football season. So I'm just happy that they are able to play uh, a season because there was talk, you know, if you remember, remember months ago, every, Oh, they can't play in the fall. That got shut down. They're going to play in the spring though. They're going to play. And there was even talk about, you know, the big 10 and the PAC 12 and those schools playing in the spring. And uh, it would have been this time of year, which is just odd, or maybe earlier, maybe like January, February, but uh, Hey, division one, a one, man, I see I'm all, all over the place. One, a one, double a FCS division. Um, they are playing now and going to have some playoffs here. So it'll be four rounds of playoffs, 16 teams, of course, games on the 24th, then May 1st, May 8th, and the championship game will be on a Sunday, May 16th uh, in Frisco, Texas, I believe is where they were playing that game. But uh, yeah, some exciting stuff here, some spring football. I know there was some spring football games around the country you know, Alabama and, and getting some huge crowds out there. Uh, you know, 
spring in spring in the uh, SEC is 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 not just baseball time; it's spring football time as far as spring games and things like that. So huge crowds for some of these SEC schools. They love their football, and I love seeing it. I love seeing full stadiums or semi-full stadiums. I think it's uh, awesome. I want to see more of it. And uh, if those football fans out there, you're a little hungry for a little football action. We saw some high school football in the spring. Now you get some college football in the spring. I know it's not at maybe the level that some of you are used to watching, but quite honestly, if you're a Pac-12 football fan, I think the Pac-12 has been uh, really down the past few years. So this isn't quite a huge drop-off as far as football viewing goes. Let me tell you, some good teams. And I don't care what level of football it is, what level of any sport, really. Anytime, man, voice, anytime you got teams playing one-game playoffs, that's why I talked about college hockey recently and March Madness, of course. One-game playoffs are very exciting. I don't care what the sport is. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I watch curling or badminton or something, uh, but I I do find it uh, pretty awesome that college football – does have a playoff system. It's just not in the, uh, <laughs> it's not in the division that we would like. So anyway, let me see. Um, I don't know how many of you guys saw this. I, I was like, this came, it, it cracks me up. What comes across my like ESPN app. And like you try to sort out which sports you like, and you want updates from, right. <laughs> and I get these random ones. I'm like, I didn't sign up for this update. Why am I getting this update? And of course, I'm talking about uh, stuff like the WNBA draft. I got an update on this. Breaking news, uh, so-and-so taken in the first round. I'm like, I don't want WNBA draft updates. I don't care about the WNBA draft. Maybe somebody does out there. It's not. I'm not taking away from them. I just choose not to be that interested by it. And it's just funny how there's like this push you got to push, of course, push. Hey, 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 this is the same as the NBA. This is the same as the NFL. Hey, th- it's like, no, no, it's not the same. Um, I'm just not, I'm not against women's sports. I'm not against women's sports. Uh, I'm just not that interested in the WNBA draft. I mean, w- what else is is going to be come across the ESPN line now? I mean, is, uh, I don't even know. I don't know. But I, but I saw that. I'm like, why, why is there this big, like promotion of the WNBA draft? I mean, Am I crazy? I'm not. Uh, anyway, I'll leave. I'll leave it there. I just. I was like, the WNBA draft. Why is that popping up on my, on my uh, important news feed? Anyway, uh, let's talk about some real Hondo Prep baseball. I know you guys are not. Uh, you guys are full, full, filled, full. Whatever I want to say. You guys have probably had your fill of real Hondo Prep sports talk, but. We're not quite done yet, folks. There's still plenty of uh, sports to talk about, specifically baseball. Let me take a hit here. Ah, coffee's it's cooling down. It's cooling down. Got to drink it faster. Okay. The Ruhanda Prep baseball team uh, put together a couple wins last week. They had a win over Providence and then a win over Santa Clara. So uh, very cool for the Cares there. It looked like they were supposed to play DeWarty High School. Uh, last Wednesday, that game, I think, got canceled or maybe postponed. I don't know. But Rio with a couple of good victories after opening the season with a loss against Marshall. A uh, very good article written on the the uh, CARES victory on, what day was that? Uh, Tuesday, I believe. A great pitching performance from senior Jack Van Cleve. Uh, the CARES 
were victorious three to one over Providence. Uh, Providence down in the Bur- Burbank area. Uh, you see it right off the, uh, what is that, the 134. And uh, anyway, Rio took down uh, Providence on uh, Tuesday with a three to one victory. And the big news, of course, was Jack Van Cleve, 13 strikeouts. 13 strikeouts. So think about it in high school baseball, there's seven innings. So three outs per inning, that's 21. So Van Cleve with 13 of the outs recorded himself, 13 of the 21 uh, strikeouts, pretty, pretty phenomenal stuff there by Van Cleve. So uh, the quarterback, also a big time pitcher for the cares. And uh, I'll read to you just a, it's a short article, just kind of summarizing the game. This is from 210 prep sports, a great, um, a great um, face. You know, you can follow them on Facebook. It's a great uh, local news source for high school sports in the uh, San Gabriel Valley area. So here we go. This is from 210 Sports. Uh, Jack Mankley hasn't, hasn't skipped a beat after leading the RHP football program to a 3-0 season. He's back on the pitcher's mound, and that wasn't good news for Providence. Van Cleve went the distance in Tuesday's 3-1 Prep League victory over the Pioneers. He surrendered one run on four hits, walked run, and struck out 13. Van Cleve got eight of the nine Pioneer batters on strikes at least once. Gunnar Pratt singled twice and drove in the only run of the game for Providence. Evan Jacquez doubled and scored. Pratt was struck with the loss. He surrendered two runs, one earned on four hits over five innings. He walked two and fanned a pair of carriage batters. Anderson Lang walked and scored, and Ryan McCullough went two for three with an RBI. Calvin Johnson singled and scored, and Raymond Montez walked and scored. Damian Diaz had an RBI base hit in the win as well. Well, uh, very good stuff for the Cares there with a 3-1 to victory over Providence. They then followed that up with a 4-2 to win over Santa Clara High School. And it was really cool. I think Mark Carson posted a photo of the boys in their your uniforms uh, having post-game dinner somewhere outside on a patio. I, I don't know what it was exactly, but it took, took me back. Some, some good memories, right, uh, after baseball games. Got to stop and get some food after a victory. Uh, and just uh, some very, very good times. Some of the best times were post-game moments with their friends back then. So congrats to the Cares. They have a big week this week. Three games slated uh, as uh, two of them are in league play. Or as a matter of fact, I, I think Trinity Classical now is in their league too. I could be wrong. No, it doesn't look like they are. But uh, Rio has a game against Chadwick on Tuesday down in uh, Palos Verdes, or is that home? Let's see. It's an away game, yeah. So down in Palos Verdes, uh, that's always an interesting place to play. They play Trinity Classical Academy on Thursday, and then on Friday, another home game against Flint Ridge Prep, the Rebels from La Cunada. So uh, big, big games there upcoming. And then after this week, Rio will then jump into their kind of doubleheader format where they play league teams twice in the same week. They play these league teams three times throughout the season, but um, there is a stretch here where they play two of those games uh, in the same week against teams. So good luck to the cares. The season uh, will be uh, man. It's going to wrap up May 28th. So just about a month left of baseball, even though it just started. So good luck to RHP. And we will continue to talk about real Hondo prep baseball here um, as the season goes along. So good luck to them during their uh, their run here as they attempt to defend their baseball championship from back in 2019 it's uh, been a long time pretty pretty crazy to think about 
But uh, anyway, good luck to Rio Hondo Prep. All right, uh, bear with me here as I kind of gather myself a little bit. Um, some college baseball, while we're on kind of the baseball topic, over the weekend there were some really good matchups, a couple of top 25 matchups. Um, two of the biggest series was number six Ole Miss against Mississippi State. And if you've seen any footage of that, that stadium – I mean, those are two very good programs and two schools that follow. They very they support uh, their baseball teams, which you don't see out here as much. I mean, we're talking ten, twelve thousand fans at games versus you know maybe five hundred, a thousand fans at, at games here in California, uh, and that's in a non-pandemic, non-lockdown restrictions usually. But Ole Miss and Mississippi State quite the weekend uh, down in uh, was that Hattiesburg, Mississippi State, I believe it was. Anyway. Uh, let's see, Old Miss and uh, Mississippi State played each other in a three-game series starting on Friday night. And scrolling through the, the, the games here uh, all over the place. I lost it. Okay, it was Mississippi State on Friday night, the number four team in the country, according to D1Baseball.com, that took down the Old Miss Rebels 5-2 to two on Friday night. On Saturday, it was... Uh, why didn't these scores jumping around? I'm sorry, guys. Shouldn't be doing this to me. Uh, it went up to the top there. But anyway, on Saturday, the series continued, and it was Old Miss getting a little payback with a huge win over Mississippi State. Nine to nothing. I mean, that shows you how weird baseball is, where you can have kind of a low-scoring game uh, with one team winning by a couple runs one day, and then the next day, it's an absolute blowout uh, with the other team winning nine to nothing. So, uh, that's just baseball sometimes, but it was uh, the rubber game on Sunday for Mississippi State, uh, who beat Ole Miss and won the series. They won the game seven to five. So a pretty awesome uh, weekend down in Mississippi for both schools. Uh, I think both of those schools are going to make a run. Uh, hopefully, they see each other again, maybe in Omaha. I'm hoping they don't get. Well, they're they're both top. 10 teams. So I doubt they get paired up in a regional or super regional. Hopefully they're on opposite ends of the bracket so we can see them both uh, play in, uh, in Omaha at some point, but uh, two very good baseball teams there in old miss and Mississippi state. Another big series that was down in the sec, of course, as most of the top matchups are uh, number two, Vanderbilt took on number five, Tennessee and Tennessee has a pretty decent history of baseball. But in recent years, uh, the past 10 years or so, I will say they just have not been relevant at all. Former uh, Fullerton and Irvine head coach Dave Serrano went down to Tennessee some years ago and returned. He was a pitching coach in the 90s there. He returned there as a head coach a few years ago and just never really did anything in the SEC. The SEC is, is loaded, uh, amazing talent from top to bottom, every program in there. Seems good. I mean, you got Vanderbilt, who's not really good in football, not really good in baseball or basketball, excuse me, is one of the top programs in all of baseball. So again, baseball is just weird and very different, but I can honestly say every program in the SEC is pretty strong and maybe Alabama and Auburn aren't quite uh, as good as uh, some of the other top teams in the SEC, but they do uh, from top to bottom. I think it's hands down the best conference in America. I could say that in baseball, at least the other sports. Uh, I think there's an argument to be made. Yes. Even in football, as, to as far as top to bottom, but uh, the SEC very strong as always. Anyway, so Tennessee university, of Tennessee, 
uh, back at it, back in the top 10, uh, having a great season. They seem to be playing a good baseball and they took down Vanderbilt on Friday night in the opening game of a three game set. Again, number five, Tennessee against number two, Vanderbilt. Uh, pretty awesome to see two teams from the same state, much like Ole Miss and Mississippi state uh, squaring off in a, in a top, not just a top 25 matchup, but a top 10 matchup. So a uh, very cool, uh, cool stuff there. Uh, it was Tennessee who ended up taking the series by defeating Vanderbilt on Saturday, scoring uh, eight runs and beating them eight to four. So uh, that is definitely newsworthy because I think Vanderbilt has kind of pushed around Tennessee the past few years. And uh, you know, Vanderbilt is uh, just traditionally a, a notch above uh, some of these other schools, specifically Tennessee, uh, but Tennessee did win the series. Vanderbilt came back and got a win on Sunday to uh, avoid a sweep. They put up 10 runs and won 10 to four, but I thought those were two series this weekend that I found very, very interesting. Another uh, top 25 matchup was uh, TCU and Oklahoma state uh, 13 versus the number 12 seed. Not quite as, uh, as uh, exciting, I guess you would say as the other one, but it looked like TCU took that series uh, over Oklahoma State uh, with a three-game sweep. So uh, as far as top 25 matchups, that was pretty much it. Uh, Let's see here. Yeah, yeah, that was it. So we're getting down to it, man. We're crossing off weekends, and I know it's not May yet, but by the time May hits, there's only going to be less, uh, let's see, three or four weekends left, the three-game series, right, that college baseball plays, and then it'll be regional time. So uh, very, very exciting times in college baseball. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the, to the regionals and the super regionals and watching, you know, four baseball games a day and stuff. If you're not a, if you're not a college baseball fan, I would encourage you to, to give it a chance to, I know Bill and I are very critical of college baseball at times with some of the theatrics and other things, but I do think it's a good product. If you're looking for a fun time, something that's affordable to, to get out and uh, watch games. So uh, the postseason is really great. It's double elimination formats, but still really, really good, uh, good uh, product to to check out. And now ESPN does a pretty good job of uh, posting uh, or posting of, of broadcasting all all the games now. When it used to be really hard to see, you could never find college baseball on TV. It always infuriated me. And I remember as a kid, I was really you never watch college baseball, but the college world series would come on. And I always thought that was so cool. And as a kid, I thought metal bats were cool too. Cause it was like, Oh, this is kind of like what I use in my games. And uh, you know, you'd see the eight teams in the college world series. And that was the only college baseball you ever saw. And now you can find it on, you know, sec network or ESPN three or all these different options, which I think is great. But the postseason is fast approaching and you just heard about a couple top 25 matchups there with four of those teams, four of the top 10 teams uh, in the, that are in the sec. And there's actually more than that, but uh, anyway, pretty, pretty crazy stuff. And uh, college baseball is uh, alive and well, I'm glad to see their season is, is uh, progressing and they're going to finish up. Okay. Now we have to get to the fight from the weekend. I know you guys aren't all these big boxing fans and I've kind of become one and, and just, I really enjoy the sport and studying it and learning about all the different uh, aspects of it, the training and uh, the just different matchups, the weight classes, all this and that. Well, Saturday night was a little different. So this whole, this whole Triller fight club thing is it's brand new. It's this like um, they're trying to like 
spice up boxing and put together these like matchups that are kind of weird, like very different, but at the same time, um, somewhat appealing to a, to a younger audience. To me, that's what it seems like they're doing with this is it, it's try to like draw in this younger audience. And so I was a little intrigued and I watched a few months ago when, you know, it was the Mike Tyson versus uh, Roy Jones, Roy Jones, senior Roy Jones, jr. I forget Roy Jones. Anyway, uh, when they fought and they came out and that was on Triller, a nice little fight card. Uh, Jake Paul was on there uh, knocking out Nate Robinson, the former NBA player. So it's stuff like that. It's kind of weird matchups of guys who've never boxed before uh, going up against guys who are kind of, you know, either starting out or even some guys who had some experience and their big like promotion with all this is uh, the pay-per-view is only like 50 bucks, which is unfortunately cheap <laughs> compared to most pay-per-views. And uh, they brought in like Snoop Dogg and all these, alleged celebrities i want to say i have no idea how pete davidson is like relevant like for some reason he's like involved in all these things and apparently he like has quite a list of uh ex-girlfriends too which i'm like that anyway whatever money gets you a lot of things <laughs> i don't understand how pete davidson the comedian i don't find him that funny but he was involved in this thriller thing uh anyway i i liked how it started the boxing matchups weren't all that great. Again, there was one guy who was like a musical uh, star that had never fought before that got in the ring with this guy that they got into a, a spat over a girl or something. And so they're like, let's take it to the boxing ring. That's at least how it was promoted. I didn't find it very, very, I'm like appealing. I'm like, what is this? This is, this is so dumb, but it started off. Okay. I was on my way home from work and flipped it on. And I was like, okay, this is cool. The black keys opened up with a performance and not just played like one or two songs. They played a nice set. I was like, okay, this is going to be neat. Some really good musical acts uh, in between fights and kind of some behind the scenes stuff. But uh, as time went on, some of the musical performances got just awful. <laughs> in my opinion, uh, the black keys was awesome. Uh, the, some of the hip hop stuff, especially the, the female hip hop, uh, uh, not uh, performances, if you want to call them that. Uh, I thought they were just awful. I mean, and, and again, you look look at the lyrics too. I was like, all right, I'm no hip hop expert, but uh, we we like to examine a lot of issues and problems and core problem core uh, reasons why a lot of things are are not going well in our society. I think maybe like hip hop lyrics might be not to sound like the the old cranky guy, but some of the hip hop lyrics out there, well, first of all, they're very repetitive. There's like three or four words that are constantly said throughout uh, hip hop songs that not all of them, but some, and it's like, okay, when those words are said in other places, they are pretty bad, but let, but you know, uh, anyway, I won't go into the details, <laughs> but hearing some of the hip hop lyrics, I was just like, okay, this is awful. And I thought it would be okay. It'd be like, all right, they're going to sing a song or two and I can, you know, keep watching the fight or the fights if you want, you know, a couple of them. But these performances went on and on and on. And I was like, okay, when it's the Black Keys, that was a great performance. Um, okay, you got to have Snoop Dogg and Ice Cube out there, whatever, doing their thing, uh, singing some, some of their old songs and everything. But oh, I don't know where they found some of these, <laughs> these other artists, we'll say, uh, not appealing at all. It, it almost made me turn the entire thing off. Um, what I did is I kind of put it on my phone so I knew when the fight would, would get around. 
and I turned on another another boxing fight uh, that was going on on Fox. So I watched that. Finally, we got to the main event, which was uh, which was uh, Jake Paul against Ben Askren. And Ben Askren, for those that don't know, uh, was a uh, a wrestler. He was a wrestler in college in the Big Ten, a national champion. He eventually went into uh, UFC and had an okay career. But his claim to fame was when uh, Jorge Masvidal, they were kind of beefing and, and really talking smack to each other. And Jorge Masvidal had the quickest knockout in UFC history, I believe, by uh, the flying knee kick to Ben Askren, who had knocked him down. <laughs> And then landed a few more punches on him until the referee pulled him off. So that was the last time we saw Ben Askren. uh, Or maybe there was one other time where he got beat. But anyway, he tried to do this celebrity boxing thing on Saturday night. He's not a boxer by any means. He's a wrestler at heart, did some UFC. And Jake Paul is just this YouTube star, right, that is starting out this, I guess, boxing career, we'll call it. Boxing journey, right, because he's not affiliated really with any other professionals or anything. and. Uh, Jake Paul came out a lot of hype. I mean, they built this thing up a uh, pretty big deal. And this thing was ended pretty, pretty quick. I mean, uh, first of all, Jake Paul looked, looked a, a lot more ready for the fight than, than Ben Askren did. And Ben Askren just, he looked out of place. He, he, he's a weird kind of looking dude anyway, but he went in there and he took a, a shot from Jake Paul, uh, to the temple and he, Jake Paul dropped him. I mean, uh, uh, really really stiff right hand that absolutely absolutely dominated him and uh i was like wow he hit the ground and he got to his feet and i thought he was going to be able to go he got to his feet the referee standing there talking to him he kind of walked and wobbled and he was like trying to instruct him i thought the ref some people were like oh the referee called it early i i thought the referee gave him kind of an opportunity I mean, he could have just called it right away when he hit the ground, but he let him get to his feet after the, uh, after counting and then gave him a chance, gave him some instructions like, Hey, walk towards me. Hey, do this. Hey, put your gloves up, whatever. And the referee saw that Askren had just had his bell rung and didn't know where he was. And just, he wasn't there. And he was, it was funny watching him try to explain to the referee, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm okay. And I don't know how many of you guys have been, punched in the face or maybe hit your head or uh, maybe had too much to drink. I don't know. Whatever the case is where you're not quite right. You're right there. And you're trying to explain how good you are. No, I'm, I'm okay. It's <laughs> that's what I took from that. It was kind of entertaining. The referee waved it off. So a first round knockout for Jake Paul, who now improves to three and O with uh, consecutive knockouts over Nate Robinson, the former NBA player. And now Ben Askren, a former UFC fighter, and somebody who was really excited about it was uh, Snoop Dogg. He was calling out, uh, <laughs> he was calling out Dana White, the UFC president, saying, "Where's my money, Dana? Where's my money?" Because I guess Dana White had said that Ben Askren, who, who you know, who's a real fighter, quote unquote, real fighter, uh, was going to take down Paul, who really is kind of unproven and hasn't fought a real fighter before. Well, Jake Paul. Uh, there wasn't many punches thrown. It wasn't a whole lot of action except for the, cause the fight was so quick. So maybe Ben Askren is just a, a guy who gets dropped in the first round, no matter what he's doing outside of his great wrestling career. I don't know, but it was kind of this big buildup. And then all of a sudden it ended real quick. And 
Uh, Jake Paul started, you know, calling out other people. He wants to, he, he wants to fight, uh, you know, more proven fighters or professional fighters. Um, he seems really committed to this thing and, and I'll give him this credit. And I think this is a big deal in fighting. Unlike any other sport is promoting of yourself. You have to showcase your skills, but a big part of it, of fighting and boxing is, is promoting you and promoting, uh, how, whatever it might be, it might be YouTube. It could be, I mean, he was doing some of these like weird stretching things or like handstands or body stands with like his trainer before the fight. I mean, there was, if, if nothing else, there's definitely some stimulated interest in this guy, uh, in Jake Paul on the boxing side of things. I don't know what's going to come of it. If he's going to eventually fight some professional boxers, if really they could test him and show him, show him the ropes, if you will how things are really done. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I don't, I don't know how good Jake Paul is up against professional boxers who have a proven track record, or at least have some fights under their belt. Ben Askren, a former UFC guy. Uh, when we see this crossover, you know, UFC versus boxing, you, you can tell it's, it, it is awkward. It's an awkward situation because well, quite honestly, they're two different sports. UFC is not the same as boxing. There's, there's elements of it that are the same. But it, it, it's just different, right? And, and it's interesting to see the, see the crossover because you can see where skills are, you know, not as, uh, not as solid in, in one way or another. But that's why, honestly, I love boxing. I, 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 I enjoy UFC. I want to see good fights and, and combat. But there's just something about boxing that's old school. And um, I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain. But, but I did enjoy the short fight that we saw Saturday night. I'm looking forward to, uh, to uh, the fight upcoming this weekend. Uh, I believe you, you have, excuse me. When you talk by yourself for an hour, man, it's uh it's uh, a, <laughs> it is uh, quite something. Let's see. UFC 262. No, that was May 15th, 261. I'm all over the place. Just trying. Okay, so here we go. This Saturday, guys, this Saturday on the topic of fighting. Uh, first of all, congrats, Jake Paul, and uh, you know what? Continued success. I do want to see you fight a regular boxer, like a real guy who's boxed before. But, um, hey, you seem to be doing the right thing and promoting yourself. So, hey, all the power to you. Okay, to UFC this weekend, Saturday night, guys. Saturday night. Okay, this is the big rematch. Big rematch, UFC 261. Jorge Masvidal going up against Kamara Usman. If you remember a few months back that uh, Kamara Usman was supposed to fight Gilbert Burns, Burns tested positive for COVID. Jorge Masvidal on uh, less than a week's notice came in, said, I'll take the fight, cut like 20 pounds or something to uh, make the weight. And he fought Kamara Usman. Good fight. Usman definitely won it, controlled the fight. And Usman is the welterweight champion in UFC, 18 and one going up against Jorge Masvidal, 35 and 14. But uh, I'm very excited about this. Masvidal has had a full training camp. And, oh, man, I, I think he's going to get uh, Kamara Usman this time. Usman's a bad, bad man. He's had some great wins. He really dominates his fights. But I, I don't know. I think, I think this time with the experience, not only that Masvidal has had in his life throughout his career, but also the fact that he's fought Usman one other time, and it was on short notice. You can tell he kind of wasn't ready. He didn't have his full training camp. 
you know, he just got together, got ready in, in a few, in a few days to cut weight and everything. I really do think that Masvidal is going to win this fight. At least that's what I hope for, what I'm rooting for. It's no disrespect to Kamaru Usman, who has earned the belt. He's an amazing fighter. He's a, he's a stud. He's done uh, great things for the sport, beating Colby Covington, beating Jorge Masvidal. Um, I, I think this is going to be a really great fight on Saturday night. I don't know what I want. I don't know if I want a five-round just slugfest or if I want someone to get dropped uh, for a, a knockout or a submission here in the uh, first or second round. I don't know what I want. I just want a good fight, and I hope that we do see that on Saturday night. So that is something I am super excited for. As far as this week of sports goes, I think that takes the cake. Uh, UFC 260, Jorge Masvidal against Kamaru Usman. I know that my main event won't go off until, I don't know, 9 o'clock, I hope. So I should be home in time for all that after a long, long, long work week, extra, extra day work week. Uh, very much excited for that. And then the following week, NFL draft, baby. Uh, I don't know if you guys are interested in that stuff or not. I am. I'll be all about it watching on Thursday, the 29th and kind of writing some notes down to talk about some different storylines in the NFL side of things uh, for uh, our show next Monday and the Monday after that. So that's it for me today, guys. I appreciate you tuning in. I know this Monday's edition of the Get Home Safe podcast might not be for everyone. I know some of you are kind of like, eh, I don't want to hear about college baseball or random high school baseball or UFC stuff, but I like talking about it. It's something I uh, I, I do enjoy and uh, just coming up with, with new subject uh, and different materials. And so if you have any suggestions, please send them my way. As always, you know where to reach us. Um, the various social media platforms and how to contact us uh, on uh, through email. I know Bill Barnes loves questions as well. Uh, we love hearing about topics, things you guys want me to talk about or Bill and I to talk about. I'm all ears. And if, if you don't uh, send in, then you're going to have to just uh, listen to what I come up with, which at all, you know, isn't always going to be uh, <laughs> the greatest of topics. Anyway, it's not easy talking by yourself for an hour. I got, you, you think you can do it. You think you have a few notes down and it's easy, but it is tough to not have any breaks and just kind of trying to go full, full uh, swing into it. But anyway, I enjoy doing this. It's a great way to start my week and Mondays will probably come out. Like I said, uh, not quite as early in the morning, but sometime before noon, that's the plan. And a fair warning about Wednesday, once again, with Bill Barnes on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. that episode will more than likely come out around noon on Wednesday because of some work schedule and some other things, but a great guest on Friday in Douglas Kirk, be sure to tune in for that. And I got a great guest lined up for the following week. I just got a piece together to interview. I'll probably do that interview on Tuesday. It's someone that's been on the show before, but it's been a long time. And so a friend of mine that I'm looking forward to chatting with. I know you guys like Wednesdays with Bill Barnes. You guys like the long form interviews on Fridays. We're going to try to keep uh, pushing that, that hard and, and putting shows out. And then Mondays, just kind of just me Mondays, just me Mondays, whatever you want to call it. Sports and suds, maybe sports and suds with studs. I didn't even get to some news topics uh, that I do want to get to. Uh, and I'm going to probably save those for Bill Barnes just because it's, it's better to have kind of a conversation about some of those things rather than just uh, me giving my monologue regarding some topics. But uh, I was rather disappointed in some recent comments by Maxine Waters that I will talk to Bill about. She seems to be uh, inciting some uh, some danger there and some violence, which I think is unacceptable. I will get to that on Wednesday with Bill Barnes, as well as some other stories 
uh, from around from around uh, the world of sports, politics, news. We'll get to all that on Wednesday. And of course, have a nice long form interview on Friday with Douglas Kirk talking about music, talking about uh, music. So it should be a fun week ahead. Thank you for joining us. Oh, one last thing. You guys had to see this. This is a, I saw this, a guy in uh, in minor league baseball. He, he made his major league debut 12 years ago and then spent 12 years in the minor leagues. And Sean Kazmer, Kazmer Jr., uh, he last played in the majors in 2008, stuck it out 12 years in the minor leagues. He's 30, 36 years old um, and got back to the big leagues, got, got an opportunity to play for the Atlanta Braves. So congrats to him. For guys in the minor leagues, uh, I have sincere respect for, for guys that put in all that work and guys that stick it out, guys that just keep, be, keep showing up to the yard, keep showing up to the office. Um, it's something that is not easy to explain to people, life in the minor leagues. And to do it that long, especially after you got a taste of the big leagues back in 08, and then you just stuck out 12 more years to get another shot. Uh, that's, that's pretty awesome. And I'm going to leave you with that today as, as something that I think we can carry with us, you know, when, when we think we we're in adversity, right. And it's not like playing minor league baseball is some like, uh, courageous act or anything, but I think it puts things into perspective when maybe we're not where we want to be in life. We don't think we're ever going to reach our goals. We're just, uh, why are we doing some of the things we're doing? Well, I think as, as you saw with, with that situation, that baseball player, that, uh, if you have a goal and you work hard enough and just stick with it, that, uh, maybe you can, you can reach that. So happy Monday to everybody. Hopefully you guys enjoyed today's episode. Uh, always appreciate the feedback. So send, uh, send the emails, send the social media platform stuff, send, send all that our way. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and, uh, yeah, guys have a great week. Uh, the month of April rolling right along a uh, great time of year. The sun is starting to come out more. It's starting to warm up. Uh, summer is around the corner. Uh, just uh, some great times ahead for, uh, more, hopefully more great shows here on the get home safe podcast. Have a great week, guys. I said that plenty of times already, but I do appreciate you guys starting your week off with me or whenever you listen to this episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. Now, guys, as always, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe. Oh,